Welcome to episode 16 of the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. This week, we have an interview with Rick Lorenzon talking about his game, Prosopia, for Kickstarters. Stand the Man by Hannah Schaefer is in its last 48 hours, so you can go check that out. Hannah was on the podcast back in episode 7, talking about that and some of her other games. You can go check that out if you want. For contests, the Hippo Dice contest has just started up. Submissions are due October 3rd. The Terminal City Tabletop Convention contest, the Golden Arbitus, is due October 1st. And the Game Crafter has the Game Hole Dungeon Crawler due August 15th. The Manhattan Project Dice Challenge due September 12th and the Hidden Movement Challenge due October 23rd. You can find links to everything mentioned this episode at theboardgameworkshop.com. That does it for the news. Now, on to the interview. I'm here with Rick Lorenzon, designer of Chrysopia. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. really appreciate being on here. So, what got you started playing board games, and then what made you transfer into designing board games? You know, I've done a lot of uh, um, like ideas of, of games throughout my life. Um, a lot of us grew up playing some of the basic things like Monopoly, Risk, that sort of thing. Um, I, you know, kind of was really interested by Dungeons and Dragons when I was a teenager, but um, I had heard all kinds of bizarre stories about people going crazy playing that one, and, you know, that sort of thing growing up. So I never really got into that game, um, but I tried some other similar uh, RPG games, like uh, there's one based on a uh, cartoon series called Robotech. I don't know if you remember that or the, uh, it's an anime series that came out uh, back in the eighties. Um, anyway, uh, I used to, you know, create, uh, was the game master for our sessions. I used to play that with my cousins and my brother. And, uh, um, I've always enjoyed games of all kinds of types. You know, I, did a lot of airsoft games and I was always the one organizing those and planning out battle scenarios so that we could run around the trees and shoot each other out in the forest. Uh, in the, uh, I guess about a decade or so ago, I started getting introduced to some of these more thematic board games like, uh, Settlers of Catan and a few others, Ticket to Ride. Um, I had a couple of friends that were kind of really interested in, in all that and collecting the games, but I kind of didn't get too into it at the time. I was still really heavily into video games and, uh, that was kind of a big focus for me. But, um, after I got married, uh, and my wife and, uh, our two older daughters started, um, we, we tried out a game with one of my old roommates, uh, when we were visiting and, uh, he introduced us to seven wonders. And they really liked it. So when we came back from our trip, I bought Seven Wonders and Catan and realized that it was a good, fun way for our family to do some bonding and, uh, um, you know, have some family nights together doing some cool thematic games. And uh, the designer in me was always looking at different ways that we could uh, change something or, or do something a little bit different. So... Um, that's kind of where I started thinking about what else I could do with the games that we had, create some interesting variants. And then I thought, well, why not just design something myself? So is Chrysopia your, your first design you've been working on? And did you have others before it? You know, it's, it's pretty much my first, um, full out board game design. Um, I didn't really start with small things, but I kind of, like I said, I've been designing things in different 
ways all my life, you know, whether it's uh, designing adventures for role-playing games or uh, designing um, scenarios for our airsoft games, or uh, I even did some script writing on a, on a video game editor um, and, you know, kind of came up with some scenarios, programmed the AI so that we could fight our way through um, some of those scenarios. So I've, I've always kind of had a tendency to, to want to do that. But this one is, I decided I wanted to really see what I could come up with um, all on my own. I, actually, I don't know if you're familiar with the game Elder Sign, Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, I've heard of it. I've never played it, though. Yeah. It's in the series of Arkham Horror. It's one of the more entry-level games that uh, they put out in that in that line. Um, it's um, It kind of gave me the idea for this, but I actually started out um, taking some idea, parts of that game and mixing it with Settlers of Catan. Um, our family got into uh, playing Catan with uh, the Seafarers and uh, Cities and Knights expansions all mixed together with the base version. version. And I realized uh, there were some some things that I could work in there. So I kind of came up with a Cities, Knights, and Monsters um, uh, expansion <laughs> using some of the monsters from Elder Sign as ways to kind of uh, you know have some interesting adventures as you're building your settlements across Catan. And it was pretty fun. Um, but, uh, you know, after doing that, I thought, you know, why not? Uh, I started a little thread on it on board game geek, you know, and got to put all the, the rules out that I came up with for that. So I thought, you know, why not just, um, start something over, take some pieces of games that I like and, and come up with something that, you know, kind of gets out the frustrating things of the annoying parts of, games that I've experienced and come up with something that's really fun to play and has elements that I really enjoy. Um, like one thing that's, that's really fun is building, uh, and upgrading things and customizing something about your, your progress in the game so that you feel like, you know, your approach to your strategy is, is going to get you somewhere that the others aren't going to get, you know, the other players, um, have their strategy, but you want to see if yours pans out. And I mean, every game has that element to some degree, but having the ability to build up, um, and I guess that's kind of the essential part of a, an engine building game, right? Is having a lot of customizable things about your, your board or your, whatever you control in a game is, is to be able to, to build that up in a way that you think is going to get you the furthest furthest. So that was your inspiration. Yeah. So what would you say was the first version where Chrysopia was its own game? What, what did you have at that point? Um, actually I kind of, uh, skipped a step. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, kind of write things out on cards, just do a very basic version of a game and try out some mechanics and all that. Um, I kind of skipped all that. <laughs> and, uh, um, my wife uh, is a graphic designer and, um, I've always dabbled on Photoshop and that sort of thing. So I just thought, you know, if I want to get my family to, to test this out with me, cause I don't really have anyone around right now, um, to that. I could count on for that sort of thing, you know, for play testing. And I wanted to make it look nice enough and feel enough like a real game that they would want to play, um, you know, some motivation. And I kind of started the idea with, uh, the, game elder sign that I mentioned earlier, because, uh, 
it's it's kind of a fun, you know, matching the symbols on a dice to the symbols on your adventure cards and trying to complete adventure tasks using your dice and using some uh, items that you have that allow you to affect your dice rolls. And I liked it, but it was frustrating because whenever you fail, you have to take one of your dice away. Um, and whenever you succeed, you have to lock your dice onto the cards. So er whether you succeed or fail, you're losing dice. And that makes it harder and harder to get the matches that you need with fewer and fewer dice. And I kind of thought, you know what, I, I bet I could do something different that's not as frustrating, but still challenging. Um, and I came up with the idea of using it, the same concept in alchemy, um, where your dice represent the reactions of your experiments. And, you know, the uh, you have items that represent different types of laboratory equipment that help you to change your reaction results to more to what you want. And after I kind of fleshed that out a little bit, I thought, you know, I wanted to kind of build a more of a resourcing um, engine building game around that. Although I didn't really know what to call it at the time, <laughs> but um, you know, elder sign, basically if you want to get more items that you spend during an adventure, they they're rewarded to you by completing an adventure. So you kind of have a feedback loop where you just get stuff back um, if you're successful. Um, but I kind of wanted to build a sort of an engine where you kind of, you know, have a little more of a world going on where you have to build up your, your resources, build up your, um, your laboratory uh, and have different things that will help you not only in your alchemy experiments, but also in interfering with the other players. Uh, I set it up in this steampunk theme, um, which uh, my wife and I have kind of been fascinated with the uh, cosplay and, and the uh, cool outfits that go along with uh, a lot of steampunk um, fiction and steampunk culture, uh, I guess, subculture, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I thought, you know, this all just seems to fit really well. I could have little battles which fits the steampunk theme, uh, the alchemy. Um, and mind you, it's not a medieval alchemy of just uh, mixing potions together, but it's a little more 1800s style. Um, you kind of think Frankenstein mixed with alchemy, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, the, the long story short is that I kind of put all these elements together. They're elements that I enjoyed in games. I liked resourcing. I liked building things. Um, I like the, the taking the random input of the dice and making something out of it based on how prepared you were for it. And I also like being able to have little battles, you know, not make a big war game like Risk or, or Axes and Allies, but just have an interesting sort of a set of battles um, or battle mechanics that give you some tactics but aren't too involved where it doesn't bog down the game. And I put it all together and did all these cards, printed everything up with some, you know, concept art I just pulled off the web and to make a little prototype that I could play with my family. And uh, the first game I played with my wife, it actually went really well. Um, it felt like a game right from the start. And uh, like I said, I skipped the whole step of just doing a simple prototype and went, went all out on it. But um, it kind of paid off. Well, it's a good thing it worked the first time then. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's uh, just 
kind of lucky that way, but, but it was, uh, I mean, you know, there've been a lot of changes since when it comes to balancing out certain things. But the one thing that really from the start, from the very first game that really hasn't needed anything to make it work better was the alchemy. It really, I could accomplish what I wanted to. It didn't feel frustrating. Like even if you made multiple attempts to, to complete one of the alchemy cards with your with your alchemy dice and you still couldn't do it no matter how prepared you were it doesn't feel frustrating um at least not the way elder sign felt when you're running out of dice and you just want to cheat and say ah, close enough i got it <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so why don't you go go into that a little more a little deeper how is like how does the alchemy system actually work well you uh you have four um Symbols, you know, alchemists use a lot of symbols in their uh, notes. A lot of times, it was the symbols were code so that people couldn't steal what they were doing, and the or also so that people couldn't prove them as as uh, charlatans, you know, uh, who were just making up love potions or healing potions that didn't really work. Um, if you had a, a a code system, nobody could really verify what you were doing and say, you know, what you're doing is just hocus pocus, but. Uh, or they couldn't steal things that really did seem to work. Um, so I, I thought it was really cool to be able to use these symbols. So I, I picked a, a, you know four symbols um, to represent sort of uh, the purification of the four elements, of earth, air, fire, and water. And then I used the chrysopia symbol. Um, you know, there are different things that represent it, I guess, but there's the, um, the idea of the serpent biting its tail, the Ouroboros um, used in Egyptian legends and, and, and Greek as well. And uh, so I use that as a symbol fight for Chrysopia, which is a wild symbol. Um, so you basically have these symbols that uh, you're rolling for. And in addition to those, um, you have flames, the flames of chaos, which will destroy the ingredients you need for your alchemy experiments. And the, that's the basic Ideas, you have a certain amount of ingredients that the cards require for you to do an alchemy experiment. Um, if you, you can build up extra ingredients so that if uh, too many flames show up and destroy some of your ingredients, you can replace them and continue on. Um, that way, instead of losing dice out of your dice pool, a la Elder Sign, you're uh, just losing ingredients, but you can prepare by having more. You also have your laboratory equipment cards, your apparatus cards, which allow you to change some of your dice results or to rescue some of your ingredients from the flames. And if you're able to tweak your dice roll because of that, you can uh, you know, progress through the, uh, the sets of experiment results that the card asks for. In addition, I also worked in a time machine, which helps you not only in battles, but allows you to do uh, some re-rolls in your alchemy experiments as well. Um, you know, the idea is there, there is that you're going back in time, keeping the results that did work and re-rolling the dice that um, gave you results that weren't helpful. So that's kind of the, the concept there. And, and, uh, and it's like I said, that worked out right from the beginning. Um, it's interesting because the, you know, the Elder Sign game has a little bit of abstractness to, to the dice matching the adventure tokens to complete an adventure. Um, and it, it was kind of uh, a little bit bizarre when my, I was trying to teach it to my wife. She didn't really enjoy it too much. And, uh, 
when I did this tweak and changed things around a little bit and used a similar mechanic, but with the changes that I made, it all of a sudden just really worked. She got excited about the dice rolls, and every time she was able to, um, you know, do something with her cards or or whatnot to to change her results and to to progress, um, you know, I could see her getting excited, and I thought, all right, this is working. You know, um, that's the kind of reactions I want people to get. Yeah, I think the the dice system really thematically lends itself to the kind of experiments you're doing in the game because there's that chance of randomness, that chance of things going wrong. Like it really fits well with that. Yeah, there's, you know, the um, a lot of people complain about dice and randomness and that sort of thing sometimes, but this is, you know, it doesn't feel, um, you know, annoying in any way because it's it's random input, but you have a lot that you can do to manipulate it. And, uh, and even when you fail, if you feel like, you know, I did, I did a good job with what I had. You know, I got as far as I could, and but you don't really feel cheated. You know, you don't feel like you need to uh, give yourself a, a freebie or something like like you do if it's in other situations. But um, but yeah, it's you know basically I took the uh, that makes up most of that Elder Sign game, uh, which is a, a 17, 18 page manual, and I kind of condense it into like four pages of my rule book. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit simpler. I didn't really give any examples yet, but, um, but it, it, like I said, it's only one aspect of the game. So you said that one worked from the beginning. Yeah. So I'm assuming that means some of the other aspects that you had did not work from the beginning. So what are, what are some of the changes you've made to improve it over the iterations? Well, uh, one of the little things was the, the battles. Um, they actually work really well, but they just, the way I had them incorporated into the game weren't as effective. And it was almost like a, you didn't really need them. <clears throat> and uh, I was trying to make it so that you could interfere enough with people to to make it feel like uh, they were worth having. Um, and I needed to figure out a way to make that more important. Um, the other thing was just the, um, the way I had the resourcing set up with... Um, it's kind of cool because it's kind of a worker placement game, but it's not um, because you don't interfere with other people's actions the way a normal worker placement game does. Um, you know, there's the action drafting where you take up a space that other people can't use now because you've chosen it. Um, but that everybody has their own board in Chrysopia, and so you have your own actions that you can take. But what I ended up doing was um, I had too much of a list of things to remember at the beginning of the game, or at the beginning of the turn, sorry. Everybody had to remember to collect this and to gather this and to add this into their supply of steam or, or whatnot. And it, it felt like, you know, either people had to read off a list of things on a reminder card every turn, or I had to be there to tell them what to do. And I didn't like that aspect of it. And I finally kind of realized I just needed to change um, some things and involve some tokens that are all about reminders of what you do. Just like when you roll a die, the dice in Catan you know that you collect whatever resources that those dice give you. Um, in this one, I decided to use golem workers as uh, your workers that you send to different parts of your domain and uh, to gather the types of resources you want. And you animate them with your alchemy dice. And uh, they gather some resources and some they leave behind out in, in the no man's land, the wastelands. 
And those resources that are left behind are building up for players to compete over. Um, if they want to send their golems out there to gather up all the extra resources building up, people can challenge them. Other players can challenge you. And uh, in that challenge, that's where the battles happen. You know, it makes for, for a fun, you know, tense decision of, you know, do I want to go out there or not? Do I want to send a golem out there? And the golems, you know, are just kind of mindless creatures. So they don't, you know, they're not the ones battling, but you got to send out your uh, steampunk soldiers and uh, your airships and whatever else to go out there to protect your golem um, while it gathers those resources for you. But um, so you have these these cool little battles and uh, see who gets to come home with the resources from the wastelands. But other than that, you know, um, you're the one choosing what you want to get, and you're using those tokens to remind you of what you're doing at the beginning of each turn. And uh, anyway, it, it really fixed the problem with the battles and um, fixed uh, the problem with having a list of things to remember what to do, because now you you know what to do. You have tokens, so you put them where they need to go. Well, that just about runs us out of time. So is there anything else you want to uh, let people know about? Anything you have upcoming? Any online playtests or follow you on Twitter or anything? You know, I need to get uh, get going on some of the social media for sure. Um, <clears throat> I've kind of gotten to the point where, uh, yeah, I'm, I've got it up on Tabletopia. I need, uh, by the time you get this up and ready, I should have all the latest updates fixed up on there as well as on the manual. Um, so if you want to check out the game, um, it's on tabletopia.com. Just uh, look for either type in the title Chrysopia, which... Uh, might have to play around with the spelling on that. I'm kind of going with the Greek spelling. Uh, it's a Greek word that means transmutation into gold. Um, and uh, anyway, it's uh, you can also look for it as Lords of Alchemy. Um, that's the subtitle for now. And uh, I'm on Board Game Geek and also Board Game Design Forum. So if you want to get a hold of me or chat with me about any the design. Um, feel free to look me up on there. And is it just your, your name, not a different username? Um, Rick L is the board game design forum. And uh, I think I have Rick L on, on my board game geek uh, as well as it goes. I, I think my username on there is Mokasher. It's a name from a novel I wrote back, <laughs> back in my twenties. Um, but uh, you can, you can uh, find me with the Rick L as well on board game geek. Um, I have that link to my, account name well thank you for coming on i look forward to hearing about progression through chrysopia and once you have more stuff done i'll definitely put it up in the news if you let me know yeah i appreciate it uh, once uh once it's uh, in a more finalized form it'll be fun to maybe get a chance to chat about it again and see where it's going from there definitely well thanks again for coming on all right i appreciate it that does it for this episode if you'd like to get in touch with the show you can find it on twitter at the bg workshop on facebook.com slash theboardgameworkshop and email theboardgameworkshop at gmail.com. Show notes are on theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.